Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. It's time for The Rant, a segment where we talk about anything and everything in sports. If you'd like to join us and share your thoughts on the topics we've been talking about, send us a text at 963-11938. And joining me on the show today are Mark Lim, former sports journalist, and James Walton, sports business lead at Deloitte Southeast Asia. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, good morning. Um, Mark, I will come to you first. Um, how are you? And any chance of uh, Everton finishing top four? Every week, I seem to ask you the same question. <laughs> <laughs> and and from the first uh, from the first day early in the season, I will probably I, I already said that it's, it's probably unlikely. And uh, and I I, I I second. I mean, I, I maintain that because uh, looking at the run in the next few games against the likes of uh, uh, Arsenal, West Ham. Uh, and I think Villa are one of them as well. So they're all in the running for, for top positions in, in Europe. And uh, we, we've covered Lewin not back and uh, the Corey also out. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, we don't seem to have the cutting edge and uh, missing quite a lot of uh, guile in the in the final third. So I think it will be tough. Maybe a Europa League. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> mm, James, I know you're a Spurs fan. Disappointed with the draw against our beloved Everton? Given Goodison Park home form at the moment, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think anybody not going there and 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 winning would be disappointed. But look, it was another typical Spurs performance. They didn't really show up. Everton absolutely gifted them two goals, although the the referee arguably gifted Everton one goal. But I, honestly, I don't think either team would be happy with that performance or, or with the way that they're playing right now. So it may have been a good time to play each other and and share a point. Mm, that's a great segue to our next segment here because we are going to be having a look at the matches that happened last night in the English Premier League, starting with Newcastle against West Ham. It was end-to-end stuff, really good game of football, and it was also a huge step towards safety for Newcastle. They took the shocking lead, I must say, 2-0 through um, first goal coming through Issa Diop. It was actually an own goal, and uh, Joe Linton capitalising on some poor goalkeeping by Fabianski. West Ham also got a player sent off. Craig Dawson, uh, just before they conceded the first goal, right at the halfway mark, he put in a tackle. Jesse Lingard, he converted a penalty after a VAR call. And Joe Willock was the hero of the night when he headed home from close range to give Newcastle all three points. James, I come to you first. So many talking points here. West Ham, they were let down by some serious goalkeeping errors, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, we're so used to the last couple of weeks seeing West Ham go 3-0 up and then fold that it was a nice change to see them go 2-0 down and and then come back. But, I mean, the, the, the first half was an absolute comedy of errors on, on Dawson's red card, on, on the second goal, as you say, dropped in. The first goal was, a. if anybody hasn't seen this, go find this own goal. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and then suddenly West Ham woke up when they went down to 10 men. And I guess Newcastle figured that, you know, three points is most important, 2-0 up at halftime with 10 men, and they let West Ham back into it. But but there was Joe Willock again, right? I mean, he did it against Spurs, and, and now he's done it again. So for Newcastle now, they're, they're basically safe, which which would have been un, unthinkable even even three, four weeks ago. Uh, Alan Saint-Maximin is, is proving to be the difference. His return has really lifted them up. Uh, but for West Ham, it's a real blow with Liverpool... Um, Chelsea breathing down their neck. Uh, this is a game that they really needed to get something out of. Mm. You know, uh, Mark, when when you look at both sides yesterday, um, it just looked to me, like James just said, as soon as uh, Newcastle, they got the lead, they set back, even though West Ham were with 10 men, you, you know, even the commentators were saying, if you're a Newcastle fan, you'll be extremely upset that they're not going forward to just fit, finish off the game. And 2-0 is not really a safe, um, I would say, scoreline, right, to sit on. 
Yeah, I mean, the, in in the end, they they were fortunate enough to 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 actually get that winner. But uh, but you know, like like James mentioned, you know, it was a comedy of errors in the first half. They were on the ropes, and uh, and you know, they they could have uh, pushed it a little bit more. I mean, West Ham could have capitulated, and it could have been a little bit easier. But instead, they let them uh, pull the pull two one back, and you know, and then the momentum was with the team again, and then two two. Uh, so yeah, I think maybe they were just in a position where they they have hardly been this whole season up to nil against a, a, a fairly uh, decent side, and uh, and mm. and maybe they just just went back to you know to to, to just sitting back and then trying to hit them on the counter and uh, almost almost failed, but in the end I guess good for them and uh, good for their their aspirations as well that they managed to pull ahead. Mm. James, we have to talk about that uh, VAR call, right? Uh, Kieran Clark's hand was raised as he was jostling with uh, Thomas Suchek. And the penalty was given after the referee ran over to the far side. I just also realized that they've moved the VAR uh, screen away from the coaches, away from the bench for the yeah. first time. Were you aware of that? No, I, I wasn't actually aware of that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm watching the other games with interest to see if a similar thing happens because it was clear that you know, the referees were perhaps feeling a little bit of influence, a little bit of pressure uh, when they went over. So it'll be interesting to see if this is a, a pattern that continues. But another, I mean, it's one of those ones as a VAR call. We, we constantly, you know, ex-players constantly get into this discussion around you, how do you jump without using your arms to jump? But I think mm. when your head ends up sitting on top, sorry, when your arm ends up sitting on top of the player's head and stops him from heading the ball, <laughs> then it's a little difficult to argue that uh, that your arm did not have any consequence on the play, right? Mm. You know, when you look at that, in the first instance, uh, you know, I kind of reacted the same way. It can't, can't be a handball. When when they did it on slow motion, yeah, it does, uh, you know, you, you make a point there. But I want to move on and talk about Jesse Lingard because he's been in really good form and he's been the main talisman for, especially going forward for West Ham. He hobbled off injured yesterday, Mark. Um, bad news for West Ham and possibly England. Uh, yeah, I mean yes, because um, uh, Mikel Antonio as well. I think is, is uh, still on the sidelines, and uh, and he just leaves Jerobo in up front, who's not really uh, a striker as well. So so in terms of uh, their running, you know, given the fact that they're they're, they're currently in uh, in prime position for for a top four place, uh, uh, it, it, it does spell a bit of trouble because Lingard has been. I think he's what he's he's contributed in at least. Close to ten goals, both scoring and, and assisting in in, in the last uh, and since his, his loan move from uh, Menu. So in terms of that, I think it, they're definitely missing a, a play in form and, and a supply of goals. Uh, in, for England, I'm not so sure whether he's uh, he's, he's going to be a shoe in yet for 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 the Euros. But uh, the, the, given the form he's in, he's definitely in the running. So uh, I, I think potentially definitely a, a blow for both uh, England and Russia. And, and the next mm, game, I got to ask the Englishman. I got to ask the Englishman this, right, uh, <laughs> James? I was going to come to you on this. For yeah. sure, we need to get your input. <laughs> would you have uh, Lingardino in your team? I would have him on. I think. I mean, when we, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to talk about Man City later on, and 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 the fact that Raheem of Sterling course, yeah. is so bereft of form that it's quite startling. You know how badly off off form he is, and and obviously mm. players like Deli Ali's dropped out the running. Madison and Grealish don't seem to be the preferred players for for Southgate. Mason Mount is making a very good um, case to come in. So I think Lingard, you know, with with those other players kind of dropping off the pace, um, and Grealish injured and and Barkley injured and such, I think he's got as good a case as 
as anyone right now. But West Ham will want him back desperately because they say the next game next Sunday mm. is against Chelsea. That really is a six-pointer. If Chelsea win that, then West Ham's top four hopes will 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 start to recede um, a little bit. So they'll be desperate to have him back. Even though, to be honest, other than the penalty, he really didn't play that well yesterday. All right. On that note, let's go for a quick break. When we come back, we continue this conversation. Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. This is The Rant, and joining me on the show today are Mark Lim and James Walton. If you've been listening to us and you want to share your thoughts, uh, send us a text at 963-11938. Moving on to the next match uh, that was played in the English Premier League last night, Wolves beat Sheffield United 1-0 courtesy of a goal from William Jose condemning Sheffield to the championship next season. Uh, You know what, Mark, I'll come to you first on this one. Where did it go wrong for Sheffield this season? I think the fact that they didn't have uh, uh, any any backup plan B in terms of uh, you know going going to the market and getting signings. I think last year Dean Henderson was a was a big uh, uh, rock for them at the back. Uh, he provided stability and confidence for the back line, and he was difficult to replace. But even even when when they say they couldn't bring in a, a quality keeper, they they, they needed a, a defense that uh, you know that, that that could do the job for them because last season they were you know eking. Uh, they were they were solid at the back and getting results just uh, you know of one zero wins and difficult away wins just because of that. So when you no no disrespect to our former Everton captain uh, Phil Jagalka who, who who did play mm. most of the matches for them and he looked obviously off pace. You know he had best championship uh, material and and for him to lead the defence at, at, at Sheffield United for quite a bit of the season uh, uh, shows that just really they just just lack depth in the squad. And I think it all boils down to that, you know, that they couldn't find when things results weren't working, they couldn't get big players in after the tran- the, the transfer window, uh, couldn't find solutions, uh, uh, you know, and, and the coach who who did so well for them as well couldn't do any more of the magic, and he had to be replaced. And it was just a forgettable season. I mean, 14 points from 32 matches—that's just uh, you know, just just terrible statistics, and uh, it was inevitable. Mm. Mm. James, do you think they left it too late to get rid of uh, Chris Wilder, I, or are you a big fan that and you th- you reckon they did the right thing? I think in all these situations, we see it when a manager brings a, a, a team up, especially a manager who has the history with with the club that he has. There's always a tendency, perhaps, to give the benefit of the, of the doubt. And, and I think if this was their first season in the Premier League, and they had got to you know, 10, 12 weeks in the way that they were, I think they probably would have pulled the trigger. But on on the basis of last season, I think they thought he could turn things around. But, um, you know, injuries injuries was a huge problem. As Mark said, they didn't recruit well enough. And, and particularly the, the centre-backs, Jack, Jack O'Connell um, and the Stevens, having having injuries, which were, uh, as well as Sander Berger in midfield, was a, was a problem. But there's also, I mean, Wilder's come out today and said, He's fine to stay. Or, or, or sorry, Wild has come out and said that that basically he he wanted to stay, but that he didn't feel that there was a direction from the club, that there was a vision from the club, and now mm. um, that that message is is going all the way to the top. They have foreign investment. It's it, there's owners in the club that that seem to want to spend the money, but then don't actually pull the pull the trigger. So. They will want to bounce back next season. They'll be looking at Norwich and Watford and Bournemouth and thinking that we can do a similar thing. But honestly, I think they will need investment even to be competitive in in the championship right now with this team. Mm. You know, Wolves are another team that really struggled to find a run of good form, especially after losing their goal scorer, Jimenez. Um, 
Mark, you, you know, given what they've done last season, finishing 12th or thereabouts mid-table, good enough for them, especially given what they've been going through in terms of injuries? Uh, yes, uh, definitely, because it's, it's you know, to lose, uh, like you said, uh, you know, your top striker and then, like, uh, and have him back for a few games and then out again, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's difficult. And, uh, and I think they've lost a few players uh, as well to selling some of their top players to, to, to different clubs. Uh, and, and I think that's, it's probably a, it just chalks it down as a season of rebuilding, and I think um, you know just the, the squad just needs a little bit getting used to in terms of uh, com- combating for you for you, for European places as well. I think that they needed to find the right mix of the squad, and I think next season, uh, you know, given given how uh, well received the coaches there, I think that they 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 probably will uh, do some damage. But I think this season was just a a, a good one for them to just. Get the, uh, stay in, in the division again, and then and then reprogram, and then see how they want to attack the, the the goals for next season. Mm. The FA Cup semi finals also happened last night. Chelsea took on Manchester City to beat them one 0 to advance to the FA Cup final. So no quadruple trophies this <laughs> season for Pep James. You know he must be upset. Oh, I, I'm sure he's very upset because he's being questioned again. He's being challenged. <laughs> and and I, I actually, I called this one on, on the center circle on Friday evening that I just thought Chelsea and, and even a 1-0 because Man City last four or so games haven't looked right. Even in beating Dortmund in both legs, they didn't look right. They looked awful against uh, Leeds, barely created um, any reasonable chances at all. Uh, something is not right in the team, whether it's the fatigue or the balance, whether it's about how he's rotating um, and how it's being dealt with. But once again, last night, they produced almost nothing uh, before De Bruyne went off. And then after De Bruyne went off and Foden came on, they, they produced absolutely nothing. And, and so something is definitely not right there. And, and as a Spurs fan, I can only say long may it continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mark, do you weekend. think it's just a one-off? Sorry, James? Uh, I said at least until next weekend. Uh, I don't mind yeah. after that. They yeah. can go win the league. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, uh, go on, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so I mean, I mean, it, it goes back to what James said earlier that that uh, I I think it could be just a blip. But again, uh, the, 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 there are worrying signs there. You know, if you were a doctor and you were you were looking at this as a as a prognosis, it isn't just uh, a one off uh, flu bug that you can get rid of. I mean, there's there's warning signs that it's. The form has been there. There's some problems for the last few matches that things haven't been working as well as uh, as, as they were when you know uh, uh, when when they had this uh, long unbeaten run going. Uh, so it's 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 worrying, you know, that, that that things aren't exactly flowing as they should. You know, the the, the attack isn't uh, scoring goals as as, uh, as 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 easily as they could, as they can. Uh, so I think that's that that to me that's a worrying sign that uh, for some reason Sterling looks a Way of 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 form and off pace. De Bruyne really couldn't do anything uh, on on the pitch yesterday, and 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 that's a worrying sign too. And when he can't influence the game, so going into the Champions League, which is uh, to me, I guess Pep's real uh, goal this season. I mean, the the league title is more or less sewn up. Um, the the cup final against Spurs, uh, you know, I think it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a possibility uh, to to get another trophy as well. But I think the Champions League is really the one that he he hasn't done well with City, and there's a lot of pressure to do that. Uh, question is whether or not they, they can they can beat the likes of PSG, uh, who are who are the favourites at the moment. Mm. You know, not that I'm a man. 
Chelsea fan, but this is really a tough crowd. Uh, you know, they're still playing. They're going to be in the league and they're still playing for two trophies or three trophies, rather. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on that note, um, let's go for a break. And when we come back, we have a look at the results of the Singapore Premier League. Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. This is The Rant and joining me on the show today are Mark Lim and James Walton. Let's move from the English Premier League to the Singapore Premier League. Two matches were played last night. Let's have a look at Tanjung Paga against Albrecht Nikata. That match finished 6-0 to the Japanese side. Kiroyoshi Tsuboi grabbed the hat-trick. Uh, Kuruba Kondo scored two and Ryoya Tanaguchi scored the other. Heartbreak for Tanjung Paga yet again who beat... Young Lions um, last week 4-0 to get their first win since the start of uh, the 2020 season. Uh, Mark, I'll come to you first. What did you make of that match? I think it, it just really shows the quality that uh, we all know that Rex has always been showing every season. Uh, it took a while for them to to, to get uh, into top gear with uh, with two two draws out of uh, seven matches and, and five wins, of course. Uh, but, you know, it just really shows that they are, again, the team to beat. You know, despite every year, uh, you know, uh, with stability has always been a problem with, with, with RBRX because of the, the fact that they're a, a, a feeder squad and all that. But it just shows that the, the recruitment is always there, you know, the, the, in terms of the quality of players they bring. And uh, and now they put, put three points clear ahead. So I think, it, it, again, they'll be the team to look out for this season. And uh, the question remains whether or not the local boys can actually... Uh, match up in terms of their consistency. Uh, with Tanjo Paga, of course, it just uh, shows that despite the, the win against the Young Lions, they will be, uh, you know, at, at best uh, looking for a position, a sixth position, if, if, if they can get out of the, the bottom two. Uh, but, but, uh, but it just shows the, 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 the gulf in, in terms of the quality. And, uh, and, and again, LB Rex will be the team to beat. Mm, Mark just took the word out of my mouth. The gulf in this uh, difference in terms of talent, James, and uh, the way they play football, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, when you watch the game, you really do feel as though this, these teams don't belong in the same category. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for Tango and Paga, it really has brought them back to earth. They'd had two good results, you know, the win against Young Lions, but even before that, the draw against Hogan, who, who were riding high at the time. Um, but then you look at the results before that, you know, Ballastia put four past them, Lions City Sailors put five past them, Tempanez beat them comfortably. It feels like, for the most part, they, they, they are going to be, along with Young Lions, a, a whipping boy in in the division. And, and it, then it lends a question of, leads to a question of how many you know, quality players are there to to sustain the SPL if this is, uh, you know, effectively the seventh team in the in the division is getting beaten like that. But but as Mark said, all credit to Alberex. I mean, it says a lot about these players that they can come together in such a short time um, and um, and get to get to this level where they can, you know, already top of the table again, right? Normal services is resumed, mm. um, and every season that they can keep bringing in new players and, and doing that and, and have such a culture in the team and such a uh, ability to pick the right players, you know, from in, in terms of even as a feeder club that will fit that, that system and be able to deliver results so, so quickly. But we said a couple of weeks ago, there's a, there's a clear gulf in this division between four teams that can, um, one team that's on the edge, Ballester, and then three teams in, in Geylang, uh, Tanjong Pago and Young Lions right now that, that unfortunately are, are out of their depth. Mm. Mark, you know, a couple of our friends, they are actually coaching and managing Tanjo Paga, Noah Lamsha, Hasun Jelani and all of that. Do you think it's about time they got some help from someone a bit older, a coach or a mentor or something like that to 
try and turn this around because, you know, they got their heart in the right place. They work really hard. It's, things are just not going well for them at the moment. How can they fix this? I mean, it, it, sure, it sure doesn't help if they were to, to uh, it sure doesn't hurt, sorry, rather to get, to get some, some help because, yeah, you know, I think in terms of uh, uh, well and good that they're, they're a team that looks at, uh, you know, like I said, I think we mentioned before that they could be the, the new Jurong of uh, of uh, the early days in the in the in the S League, where mm. you know there were all the senior boys in the team and uh, they play a different uh, a different brand of football. But uh, with, with Jurong, it works. You know, with Sundram at the helm and uh, you know and and, uh, and, a, and a few uh, uh, older guys uh, providing the, the leadership and guile. But in terms of Tanyo Paga, obviously it's not it's not really cutting out. So the question is uh, in 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 a, in, a, in a league as James mentioned, where there's a clear top four. Uh, where teams like uh, Line City Sailors and, and Rovers are spending decent money to to get quality players, uh, how competitive does Tanjung Paga really want to be? You know, if they just there to make the num- make up the numbers, then uh, you know, uh, again, you can just plot through every season and, and and do the minimum. But again, if you want to be competitive, and that's what all teams aspire to do, uh, then then the question is, uh, what more can you do? And I think uh, if if that's the, the aspect, the, the the direction that Tanjung Paga wants to hit. Definitely, they they need a bit more, uh, maybe a, a technical director or somebody to come in and, and help, uh, you know, pull, pull mm. the ship in the right direction. We definitely got to talk about the next game because Haugang, they took on Young Lions and uh, Haugang left it till very late in the match to pick up a point. And uh, that was, again, through their top striker, Tomiyoki Doi, in, at a time. Young Lions, they took a surprise lead through Glenn uh, Kwe, uh, who made his professional debut yesterday. Were you surprised with the result, James? I mean, on 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 recent form, uh, you know, Haugang have been, as I say, up up there at the heights, and they've been doing a job. And with Young Lions, you know, you never quite know what you're going to get. They put in a decent shift against the Lion City Sailors. They they got a respectable draw against Geylang and against Ballastir Kalsa, and then they had those last two, you know, pretty awful results, uh, shipping eleven goals and 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 not scoring any against Tempanis and Tanjong Paga. But but you know, the talent. The talent is there. Sometimes, you know, the issue with a team like that with young players is is that if they can hang in the game for as long as they can, and the other team starts to get a little bit frustrated, they are they are fit, um, and and they'll gain in in confidence. And that was the case in this game. They they were able to hang in the game, and then able to get their noses in front, and and they nearly got away with it. Um, so, I mean, it's a good confidence booster for them, and and hopefully uh, it'll help these young players to to develop more. But for Hogang, it shows exactly what we're just talking about in terms of Alberex and their consistency and things like that. How difficult it will be for Hogang to sustain a, a title challenge this season. Mm. Mark, um, I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago in terms of the style of play. Would you rather the young Lions go out there and attack and play open football and if they ship in five, six, seven goals for the matter, it doesn't really, you know, I would say in terms of development bother anyone or should they be, you know, trying to do damage limitation because uh, there are two school of thoughts here. Where do, where do you sit on this? I mean, I guess for me personally, I think it's it's always nice to see uh, teams approach the game in the right way. You know that they the don't park the bus. Uh, they try and play out, play mm. play play their game and try and uh, play a, a sense of semblance of uh, attacking football such that in in bad times, uh, you know, you you still play a way out of defense and 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 and, and when it works, it, it, you know, you can actually uh, formulate a game plan that that, that that it's not only effective in terms of results, but but 
pleasing on the eye as well. But at the same time, when it's it's down to all these young boys and uh, and, and there's no real experienced leader uh, to, to 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 sort of say, okay, come on, guys, you know, you gotta stick in, you know, just maybe uh, uh, weather through this 10, 15, 20 minute period, and then you know we hit them back. Uh, when when there isn't somebody like that, then you know you get your results of your six zero or seven zero and your four zeros and all that happening because uh, everybody in the team just panics and 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 and, and that goes that goes down the drain. So I think in terms of um, uh, I think that that's where uh, uh, the coach uh, Philip Au really has a difficult position in terms of does he really uh, you know tell them to sit back and 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 play a certain kind of football when it, against maybe quality sides and and uh, but I guess if we're looking at the last two results and how they shipped in 11 goals and compared to how they, they approached this game against Haugang, uh, you see some some hope there in terms of, I guess, uh, as what James mentioned, you know, the, the sitting back and, uh, and, uh, and containing them up and then trying to see whether you can weather out the storm and and and, 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 uh, and, and go and, and, and hit them on uh, with your, your fitness and your, your speed, which is what the young Lions are, are, are strong in. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think the long long answer to your your question is I personally uh, uh, would, would like them to play that kind of football, but it's it's tough when it's it's uh, when morale and and the, the players' mindset mm-hmm. comes into mind. Yeah. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we get to talk about Formula One and the salary, salary cap. Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. This is The Rand, and joining me on the show are Mark Lim, former sports journalist, and James Walton, sports business lead at Deloitte Southeast Asia. Gentlemen, moving away from football, I want to talk about Formula One because the F1 is closing in on a $30 million per, te- uh, per team annual budget cap to specifically limit the spending on drivers, of all things. Uh, it's not officially announced by F1 yet, but uh, what do you think the impact on the sport will be? I'll come to you, James, on this first. So I think when when, when we look at this, we've got to look at this in the context of, of what else is happening in the sport. So so for people that are not aware, there's a cap coming in on the spending of the teams in terms of what they can spend on the car and on technical improvements, which is around about $145 million. But that cap covers everything except uh, the driver and, and, and the three highest paid employees, which is usually, you know, the team principal, things like that. Um, and now this new cap that's coming in is supposed to address address that issue. But it's being discussed about as $30 million. To put that in context, uh, Mercedes uh, pay Hamilton $30.5 million this year, and that's just one driver, uh, never mind two drivers. Um, so... There's definitely going to be some some challenges and some resistance, but overall in the sport, it, it leads into a whole another discussion here, which is that the way teams are funded in Formula One, unlike other sports teams that have their merchandising, their ticket sales, and and all that kind of stuff. Of course, Formula One teams don't have a home stadium, right? They they compete at tracks all around the world, mm. local tracks, and Formula One get the revenue. So their revenue comes from sponsorship deals, uh, principally, other than where they have paying drivers. And so for them, they keep a very tight rein on the uh, on the uh, visual rights, uh, basically the merchandising of the drivers. So a driver like Lewis Hamilton doesn't have the right to to himself, effectively, in many ways, in certain categories to raise sponsorships. So he relies on what the team does and what the team gives him. Um, so... If they're going to go this way, at least for some of the teams, they're going to have to relax the rules a little bit and allow the drivers to do personal 
sponsorships and personal product placements to make uh, the most value out of themselves. And then you do get into a situation of, well, some of the drivers are paying the teams. So what does that mean for the teams in, in those kind of situations as well? So there's going to be a lot of challenges uh, to work their way through here. And, and this discussion is, is definitely nowhere near done. Mm, definitely, because the measure would, like you said, immediately affect uh, the likes of uh, Lewis Hamilton and also other high earners like um, Max Verstappen and uh, uh, Charles Leclerc. Uh, they might not be happy because uh, they also fall into that category. Um, you know, Mark, what do you make of this? First of all, do you think it, it should be that way or is Formula One trying a little bit too hard um, to implement this? Or should the teams then just decide if they... If they can pay the players, <clears throat> sorry, pay the drivers and, you know, still balance the books, it should be their problem instead of uh, Formula One coming to say, here's the salary cap. I think there are a few things to consider here. So one is why we're why in this situation in the first place. Uh, so we have to acknowledge that it's been a, a, a devastating year for, for not just uh, the economy in general, uh, worldwide, but obviously sport because, uh, you know, you haven't had ticket receipts in, 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 in God knows how long it feels forever now. Uh, you haven't had crowds coming to, to sports sports events, uh, let alone F1, and uh, you, you can't feel that the tracks as as as, uh, as something that they used to. So a big part of your revenue is gone. So uh, obviously, you, you, with uh, spending and all that still happening, you you need to cut costs in some places. Uh, so that that's why we're uh, fundamentally one of the main reasons why this is happening. And uh, as James uh, uh, gave us a, a perfect. Uh, F1 sponsorship 101 there. Uh, unlike uh, football matches, <laughs> football teams and all that, it's the, 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 the sponsorship model is a bit different. You know, uh, you have Hamilton coming out to say that it's, it's, this is not fair because, uh, as, as James pointed out, uh, the players can't, uh, sorry, the drivers can't get sponsorships in the way that, say, your LeBron James can, can do it or, you know, the likes of your Federer who are all top earners in, in the world of sport. And a lot of that, I would say more than 50% of, of their income actually comes from sponsorship. Uh, and with F1 drivers, that's not possible. So the question is remains, uh, you know, is is how do you then ensure that if you cut their salaries? Uh, I think the, uh, Hamilton's on 45 million right now, and with the cap at 40 uh, at 30 million, mm. he's already, you know, more than busted his but the budget just based on one driver. So if you're going to cut his his salary considerably, uh, at least by half, if you were to make that, that 30 million salary cap, then the question is how does he make up that? 15 to 20 million in, in, in terms of sponsorship. So the, so you have, you have to redraw his contract. You have to look at how do you then spread the, the love in terms of getting when you're getting a, a title sponsors for, for your, your big teams. And I think that's, that's the way to go if, 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 re, if truly a salary cap were, were to be introduced. Mm. As I was doing some research for this uh, topic of discussion, I came across a Facebook page and uh, a fan, he made a, a decent point here. Why can't they just add 30 million to the overall budget cap and then let teams decide whether to spend it on a driver or the drivers or other performance strategies. Uh, James, does the fan here have a, have a point here? Yeah, so this is, this is one of the reasons why this topic is going around a little bit at the moment is because there are teams that are obviously spending nowhere near 30 million on drivers. And I mentioned earlier, again, I'm not sure if all your listeners would be aware, but there are several drivers who actually pay to drive in mm. Formula One. Effectively, what they do is, on the lower teams, this is like your opportunity. And so those teams will tell someone, if you can bring $10 million of sponsorship, you will be our driver. Um, and so in those situations, those teams are paying absolutely nothing for drivers. And so they are saying, well, then can we add $30 million back onto, onto our spend? 
you know, in, in a way, because at mm. the moment, the rules are being set up the other way. If I spend more than 30 million on drivers, it will actually deduct from the cap on the team. So if Mercedes decides to spend 40 million on drivers, um, then that would knock 10 million off how much they can spend on the car. But if they were to spend 20 million on drivers, it doesn't impact the car budget. And so there's a lot of questions about whether that mm. should be should work both ways, yeah. Um, Mark, because there's also other, I suppose, discussions around this salary cap saying that, you know, the world is, you know, having troubles with, uh, with obviously the economy and all that due to the pandemic. Um, do you think that's a good enough reason for this salary cap? Because when you look at someone like uh, Mercedes-Benz, who are actually owned by Daimler, their turnover is about $172 billion, uh, which, you know, the Formula One team is part of. They're not short of cash, uh, but... Is this for the good of the game, or is it to then regulate how much money is really spent in the world of Formula One? I mean, I think that's a tough one to, to answer because I mean, it, it, you, you have to look at so many, uh, uh, you know, the aspects in terms of sponsorship money, in terms of uh, gate receipts, in terms of uh, as well as TV money. Uh, but looking at, you know, we've, we've been having these discussions for a long time. You know, both on the flip side. Do our athletes pay too much? And on the other hand, you know they are the stars of the game and the the, the, the respective uh, sports, and they, they definitely bring. Uh, so how do you then reward a, a person that like Hamilton, who's who's probably the best driver in in uh, arguably the best driver Formula One has ever seen, or or Messi or Ronaldo? So the, so to me, um, I think that the uh, it's a tough one to say, but I I, I still want to reward the athletes, and I think uh, you know. Given the the fact mm. that, that um, you know we're we're in straight we're in strange times now, uh, yes, I can I, I think there's a, that, that there should be some leeway in terms of a temporary cut, but I think uh, I'm I'm putting my neck out to say that you pay the players what they deserve, and if they are star players and they're they're really uh, a person that that brings uh, you know bumps on the seats and 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 brings your brand or your particular team to to new heights, then he deserves all the money that he can he can afford to get. Mm. Um, James, are you a fan of Formula One? Because it does seem as though over the years it's lost a bit of uh, its loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up on, on Formula One and, and I am definitely a, a, a big fan, but it, it, it has suffered increasing challenges in recent years due to a lack of competitiveness. There's a feeling at the start of the season, although this year may be different, that you can pretty much see after the first three or four races which which car is going to win, and then it becomes a, a competition between the two drivers of those cars. And, and then, of course, we've had issues with whether or not those drivers are being instructed by their teams to allow one of them to win. But as I say, this year is actually looking looking different. It's looking very, very competitive, and this weekend in particular could be interesting. They're doing some innovations with the sprint races coming in. They're obviously trying to improve their green footprint, and, and, and you know, credit to them, they are really trying to update and, and revolutionize the sport for the next generation because they know their traditional fans are, are getting a little bit of hold there. You know, they're traditionally, it's a, it's a white European 50-year-old fan is, is the definition, and they're trying mm. to do something about it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully they, can, they can do that with new races, new innovations, and, and some, some aspects like this, not necessarily exactly this, but like this that can level the playing field. Uh, Mark, have you gone to the the race at the Marina Bay in Singapore? 
Yeah, I mean, from right from day one, I think I've, I've spent a lot of uh, weekends there and, uh, and a lot of walking because you have to park your car quite far away. But uh, but in, in terms of, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, agree what, <laughs> I agree with what James says. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, innovations in, within the sport that actually is beneficial. But to me, I, I still like the days where you actually uh, need a year plug, probably a year plug and a bit more and, and some mufflers to, 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 to protect your ears. But these days, uh, you don't even probably, there are times when you don't even need a earplug because it's, it's, uh, the noise has been reduced, but it just doesn't feel the same. So for me, I, I, I still want to to go back to the days where when you get to the racetrack and it's just, it's just really a, a, a whole sensory, a multi-sensory experience and definitely something that your ears will not really enjoy. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Really solid input as always. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, man. See ya. Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. Every week, I have an athlete or a sports personality in the hot seat to talk about their life and sports. This week, I have a very good friend of mine and my former teammate and also a former national footballer, Shama Vira Basri, on the show. Hi, Vira. How are you? I'm good. How are everyone? Hope all is yeah. well. Yeah, all is well. Thank you for coming on the show after I have to really convince you. You are a shy person. <laughs> I don't know I, why I really had to convince you to come on the show. I am very shy person, uh, Sasi. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk all about that in a minute, okay? Uh, Vira, just before we get into the interview, uh, can you quickly tell our listeners, what are you doing at the moment? Okay, at the moment, I'm recovering from my knee surgery. Okay, I had a knee replacement mm. on my left knee uh, due to maybe uh, old kind of like, you know, football. So, mm. old injury. So, it's been like three months now. Slowly getting there. After, after my left, I will be doing on my right again. Oh, my God. So, my right has been like uh, uh, two times ops. So, coming to third time uh, on my right. You, you know what? I've always considered doing a knee replacement. Is it good? I think for, not for your age. Uh, I mean, for older. <laughs> older. Okay, yeah, thank older. you. Th- thank you for, uh, you know, thinking that I'm a young man. All right, Vira. You know, yes. one of the things I like to do on this show with my guests is to take that back in time. Walk down memory lane. So, I want to take you back to your childhood days. How was your childhood like? You know, which school did you go to? Where did you grow up? Oh, uh, I don't get a feel of uh, kampung days because I was still a uh, thing baby. Uh, I was uh, mom used to stay at Jalan Kayu, Tongkang. Mm. They call it the Tongkang Pecah. So I think okay. I think only certain people knows eh? Okay. So <laughs> so as as for me, I grew up in Haugang Avenue Three. Mm. Yeah. So from there, I started with uh, the school called. Aruzu Primary School. <laughs> Does it still exist, Aruzu? Uh, uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, doesn't exist. I, eh? I, I remember those days when I was playing in uh, school competition. Your, that school used to be quite good in few sports, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, true. Mm. So, let's talk about, you know, family. Do you have brothers and sisters? How big was your family? Uh, I came from a big family. I got I got 12. Wow. Uh, That's 12 family. Yeah. So I'm the I'm the youngest. <laughs> You're the youngest of twelve. Okay. I'm the baby. Yeah. Mm. What about sports? You know, was football always your first love? I think because the only sports I play is football. No background from my brothers playing any sports. So I think I started uh, football. Mm. Yeah. So who introduced you to football? 
our friends just play uh, under the void deck everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. So that's where I started playing football. Uh, uh, using uh, not not wearing any any shoes, flip flop. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, barefoot. So carry on. Did you have any interest in any other sports or football was your game? I did play like badminton, table tennis, uh, other sports. Yeah, uh, in schools. Hmm. Uh, but but the first one is football. Vira, we we grew up in the era where Malaysia Cup football was big, right? You were you a fan of the national team back then? I was, uh, but can't remember those those uh, names, uh, the famous names, eh? Because mm. that time I was very young, I think. Mm. Yeah, but I tell myself uh, one day I want to be there. <laughs> so yeah. What inspired you? What inspired you to say that one day you're going to be there? I think because you know I just keep on working and trying, keep on you know training and train and train until I get there. Mm. It's it's all about working hard, pushing to the max. Eh? Do you remember the first team you ever played for? Whether it's a neighborhood team or a school team, remember the first team you ever played for? Oh, can't remember, man. So see, well, cannot cannot remember. Your memory is not that good, huh? But did you play? Did you play for your school team? I played for the school team. I was uh, the my secondary is Rangoon Garden Technical. Mm. I think uh, Tami Marin was there. I think Tami <laughs> Marin was uh, yeah my senior. Sir. Oh. And were you always an attacking player or did you play in goal or defender or what was your position? No, I'll always the attacking players. Always. Why? Yeah. Why why were you always an attacker? Because I because from young I always have the speed. Mm. Yeah. So I always run. I'm like a forest gum, run and run and run. <laughs> <laughs> Non-stop running. You know, you you talked about secondary school and playing for a school team. Did you see that, or did you believe that you had a bit of talent to play football? Uh, before then, not really. But when I was at Milo Soccer School, Milo School, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's where my my dream come through uh, from there. Let's talk about the Milo Soccer School because a lot of the guests that I had in the past, like Nazri, Rafi, they all talk about uh, Milo Soccer School. Which, which center were you at? I was at Ferro Park. I think that was back in the 1984. Well, you really 1980s, back yeah. in time, huh? Yeah, yeah, correct. And who's your coach? Oh, I can't remember. Coach No, I think. No, or there's two co- there's two coaches. Eh? One is uh can't remember, can't remember. Hmm. So but but uh it's like every Sunday you come and turn up, but the most important is the discipline. Discipline. They already train you discipline and punctuality. Uh, How? So, so discipline. How do they do that? Uh, discipline like okay, if if your nails is long, they ask you to go back. <laughs> wow. Really, really? Yeah, they ask you to go back. So, so if if your boots is dirty, also same, you go back. So you don't waste time. You go back because you don't train yourself. So everything must be neat. Well, that's uh quite harsh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is. So, so no choice. So every Sunday, I'm looking forward. So every Sunday I'm ready, leave home early, get ready, make sure nails cut, boots <laughs> polish, yeah, because I want to, I want to be part of the 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 team and I want to be you know improve myself. Mm. Do you remember your teammates at the Milo Soccer School? Oh, oh plenty, yeah, plenty, yeah. too many, too many. Uh, so, but 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 we still we still together until today. Any of them eventually made the national team with you? Uh, Imran, mm. Imran Bota, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a there's a few I think. 
were you in the same era as uh, Rafi and Nazri? Uh, Rafi, I think Rafi and Nazri senior. Senior. Yeah, senior, yeah. No, you're talking about the Milo Soccer School. What was the standard like when you got there? Oh, the, that time, there's plenty of good players, uh, Sasi. Good players. Uh. So, you have to you have to keep up with them. Uh. If you don't keep up, you can you won't get selected. Uh. Uh, too many, too many good players at that time. All right, let's go for a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about you playing for Tiongbaru FC. Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. I'm joined by former national player Samawira Basri on the show. We are just before the break. We are talking about your early childhood and you playing for the Milo Soccer School. I want to talk to you about playing for Tiong Baru United. How did that opportunity come about for you? Tiong Baru, I think uh, I was with police SA before because I was in the police force, right? Hmm. So then after uh, I get a contract with Tiong Baru, that's my first contract for Tiong Baru. Hmm. This with the S League, right? Uh, a Premier League. A Premier League. They, yeah, they call it Singapore Premier League. And how old were you then? Do you remember? Uh, after NS. Uh. So it should be what, 2021? Huh? Uh, around uh, 20. Uh, 21, yeah, so, so at that time, playing for Tiong Baru, uh, who, do you remember who was your coach? This Robert Albert, I think. Robert Albert and Tuari Paijan. Okay. So I think, if I'm not wrong, they were that was already the S-League, right? Robert Albert and Tuari Paijan. Yeah, Robert Albert and S-League, yeah. I think it's Sivaji. Eh? Sivaji, okay. You know, when, when, when you got an opportunity to play for um, Tiong Baru before, where we're talking about the Premier League, right? The semi-professional league. And when you went there, you know, obviously those days they had quite a lot of uh, superstars in the team, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, they, got, they got all the national players. Uh, they got plenty of national players. Yeah. How did you fit in? I just tried my best. Uh, I just tried my luck. <laughs> because, they got, they got, because they got good foreigner, they got good local. So as for me, I just... Uh, up and coming so basically I just I just give my best uh, in every training if there's an opportunity comes I take it and did you did you do well while you were there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I did I did well so I did mm. I did well in I think uh, I did well in police SA that's where my name start to picking up because I want to talk to you about a big moment in your life uh, 1994 can I ask you when were you called up for the national team was it in 93 or 94 94, early 94. Early 94. That's yeah. when you were playing. That's for... after after they are after they had their songs, the dream team songs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then you you came afterwards. Huh? Were you were you still playing for police? I say, or you already at Tiong Baru? Uh, I was already at Tiong Baru. Yeah, Tiong Baru. Yeah. Because uh, okay. the they recommend me to for the for the national team. Eh? This mm. uh, I still I still very uh, thankful to this. Uh, Sergeant Hassan and Yaya Madona and the rest and the rest of the players uh, in the police team uh, who guide me along the way. Do, do you remember who told you that you were called up for the national team? Do you remember that moment? Oh, can't remember, but I heard that I was given a chance to train with the national team under Douglas Moore. Mm. Yeah, that was my biggest, uh, you know, uh, honor, ah, hmm. uh, gets uh, not selected yet, but a chance to train. We are going into the dressing room in 1994. Yeah, and you know, as we know, the 1994 team was uh, packed with superstars. Oh yeah. <laughs> How was it like for you? Were you nervous? 
very nervous uh, because I'm a rookie as I see still young uh, still learning still green but but it's a good experience for me uh, because I learn I learn from both sides I learn from the the young and the old so I learn I learn how they behave especially the seniors uh, uh, in training they joke around they train they serious there's always time to joke and there's always time to be serious uh. so especially especially in the game itself uh, you can see all the senior players they really really focus uh. there's no there's no listening to music or whatever just they focus any incident the or uh, you know moments that you remember from that from that time with your team in the 1994 especially training with uh, so many superstars what incident uh, what normal as i say always fight yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> no because because you see because i also want want to be in the first level right or not hmm. so so like i said in training i have to give everything what so i have to give my best i you have to tackle i have to tackle so hmm. there's no there's no kind of like uh or give and take no 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 in, in training we give 100% because we want to be in the first team in the in the first level so 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 to be in the first level and to to maintain there is very difficult so if you're not doing well you go you go down so the one who's going up uh getting better they push up When you were younger, do you think you were a little bit hot-tempered and hot-headed? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very, 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 <laughs> very, very. So my second home is the disciplinary, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, committee. <laughs> That's my second home. <laughs> you know, you, when you look back on all the decisions you made, and you know the moments where you got, do, do you regret any of it? Yeah, very regret. <laughs> But when you are young, you don't think, right? Yeah. But you true. give you give everything. Yeah. But because mm-hmm. you see. You want to win match, what? Right or not? Because mm. you are in the you are in the professional league. Obviously, you want to win match. You want you win match. You get, you get good bonus, what? You don't want bonus. <laughs> Everybody want bonus. Vira, <laughs> <laughs> but the 1994, of course, you know many fans still think about and talk about the Malaysia Cup winning team. Uh, how much a role did you play in that team? Uh, like I said, I I I don't I don't get a chance to play. More games, as I say, mm. yeah. But I learn lots from the the players, uh, from the seniors. Uh. So they always say, when you if you step in the 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 field, your first timer, make sure you control nice, you play nice. That's where your confidence comes. So you try to do it simple. Don't, no, don't not not try to make a lot of mistake. Mm. So they guide, they guide along the way, they guide. Who were you fighting for? Yeah, in in terms of position. My God, many, yeah, many. Uh, Malik Awab, uh, Liman Hon, Rafiali, Nazri, Saswa, so many, yeah, so many. Wow. No, ch- no chance, no chance, no chance, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> What was the biggest takeaway for you from being part of this Malaysia Cup team? Because it it is still one of the highlights of uh, Singapore football. Because what? Biggest highlight of Singapore football, right? Uh, and what did you learn from being in that team? Well, I learned, you know, to be, to be disciplined, okay, to be to be a good good players, and to be committed, and a lot, a lot, a lot of things that I learned a lot, but I can't remember. All right. On that note, let's go for another break. When we come back, we continue this conversation. <laughs> 
Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. I'm joined on the show by Samawira Basri, former national player. Vira, just before the break, we were talking about your time with the Malaysia Cup squad. I want to talk about another game that's very close to your heart. You played against your favourite team, an English Premier League team, Tottenham Hotspurs. Not not my favourite team. That one is Manhorn's favourite team. <laughs> <laughs> that's not your team? No, you don't follow Spurs? You're not a fan of Spurs? I thought you were a Spurs fan, no? No, 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 I'm not. I'm I'm a uh, Eric Cantona fan. I see. But let's talk let's talk about because that game was special because you scored an equalizer for the national team that was playing in an exhibition match against uh, Tottenham Hotspurs. Do you recall this goal? Do you remember this goal you scored? Uh first of all, I was very fortunate to to be in the first 11. Okay, was very lucky, and second to score the equalizer, second lucky, and to win against Spurs, third lucky. Mm. <laughs> so uh, we were down by one zero. I think uh, last coming to second half, last minute. I think so. Fundy Fundy passed me the ball to the flank. I think I receive. And I take on this uh, defender called David Kasluk, I think. David mm-hmm. Kasluk, yeah. So, one-on-one situation. And the best part is I not make him. <laughs> 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 so, the best part. That's the best part. So, so after I I curl it to top corner uh, against Ian Walker. So, number one wow. goal. Wow. So that's the, my my best uh, memorial uh, goal. Do you remember how you celebrated that goal? I don't know. To, I don't know how to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was shocked, uh, really shocked. I don't know how the ball went in beautiful. Yeah. Do do you still watch that goal on uh, YouTube sometimes? Yeah, 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 I still I still, I still have the videos. Uh, I still have the videos. Mm. Uh, but but it's videotape so you need to convert. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Talk about uh, having <laughs> highlights of video tape. I have a lot of that. But we, 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 uh, that that era was, you know, in, in talking about that game, that game was um, special, right? You, to to play again against a Premier League team and to score. Not many players get that chance, right? Yeah, correct. Do, do people still talk about that goal? Uh, people still ask. People, I mean, people who knows, they still ask. So I just share. Even even yeah. sometimes, sometimes when I coach the young, eh. So sometimes mm. I show them uh, my 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 picture, the video. I show them. They were shocked. They were shocked. Like those those who are uh, Spurs fan, yeah. they were shocked. They said, "Oh!" But they don't know. Obviously, they don't know who is Ian Walker or yeah. the rest of the player. But uh, for me, I'm I'm very very happy because uh, Go Chok Tong was there to witness mm. the game and what I think maybe sixty thousand crowd. Yeah. Was a full house. Yeah. At the old Kalang National Stadium. Yeah, Kalang. Then you can see all the 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 Kalang wave. There. Let's talk about uh, 1998 because you were part of that class of 98, who, uh, who won that Tiger Cup. You, you know, it was our first international trophy. How special was it for you, Vira? I think me special. You also special. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm uh, I mean special because, like I said, I get a chance to be in the first 11. Team and to play with the the Vietnamese is not easy, eh? Like as, as you know, as I say, not easy. Eh? The the intensity is very, very, very high. Mm. So we have to cope with the fitness uh, of the opponent. Eh? 
But eventually, you know, sometimes you played well, no luck. Sometimes you don't play well, that's luck. So that's football, eh? So mm. I think uh, it's a uh, it's great to be to be you know to 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 receive a, a medal at least, eh? You know, Bira, you know, I've spoken to the likes of Rafi, Nazri, Subramani, Aidi Skanda, all of them, they mentioned that this national team in 1998 was very special in terms of the team spirit and all that. Did you experience that? Because you you were one of the senior players in the 1998 squad. What did you make of the team spirit and, of course, the team dynamics? No, I, I think because uh, maybe some of the seniors might be their last year. So it's like this is the chance to win something for Singapore. So, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, congrats to you lah for, for, for scoring the, 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 the winning goal. And, I mean, all the seniors are looking forward for, for, for the biggest win. Mm. Because we don't win for many years, right or not? Mm. Yeah. So, I think 1998 is the best. I mean, uh, in terms of uh, the players, young and old, and the bonding, the bonding, it, that's the most important, the bonding uh, among each other. What about our coach, uh, Barry Wibret? What kind of a relationship did you have with him? Barry, <laughs> oh, Barry, hard, hard time, man. hard time. <laughs> hard time, hard time. He, he's a good coach. He's a very straightforward coach. <laughs> he's very tough, sometimes pain in the air. But like I said... <laughs> But but very nice guy, very nice guy. So uh, there's one incident. Uh, national team uh, we were in, I think Surabaya. In Surabaya, we played a match. They what can tournament? Eh? So so he asked me to go in. So I went in. After a few minutes, I was recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I was recorded. Then he came to me. You know what he say? So it's like, oh my god! So it's like, oh okay. Yeah. So until until today, he remember me. <laughs> so I'm 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 one one of a kind. I think. Yeah, absolutely one of a kind. You know, Vira, after after the win in 1998, how long more did you actually play for the Singapore national team? Five years, eh? So 1994 mm. all the way to 1999, the 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 Sea Games uh, in Brunei, I played. Mm. So that's what the the senior told me yeah if you can last 5 years in the national team you are good enough <laughs> mm, i mean i mean i mean i mean to play more the better but when i was in 1999 brunei when i out from the national team that's history yeah cannot cannot mention <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, one, that one's sensitive <laughs> sensitive huh? we will not go there you know you you shared the dressing room with uh, so many top class players who was the closest to you in terms of your your teammates? The senior players, eh? Mm. Oh, seniors, uh, very close with uh, Rafi and Nazri. Rafi and Nazri always very close, the three of us. So these two are ace of base, eh? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The nickname so, was ace of yeah, base, Yeah, ace right? of base, yeah, correct, yeah. So, mm. and and Malik. Malik and Borhan. Borhan is my my roommate, eh? uh, late Borhan. So, but Malik, Malik is always the one who look after the, the young one, eh? All right, Vira, let's go for another break. When we come back, we continue this conversation.
Welcome back. You're listening to Sports Talk Sunday. And joining me in the show is former national player, Samavira Basri. Vira, just before the break, we were talking about your experience with uh, Tottenham Hotspurs, playing against Tottenham Hotspurs and the 1998 uh, Tiger Cup, of course. Let's move on. Eventually, your career did come to an end. And, you know, when you retired, was it forced or you decided to hang up your boots? Hang up. Two, two, zero, zero, four, my last, uh, when I got my second injury on the same knee, on the right knee. Mm. So, uh, at I think I told myself uh, I got to call it off because because it's getting worse and worse. Eh? Mm. So and the the second injury uh, is quite bad. Eh? So I was I was with uh, Woodlands Wellington. That was Simon Clark, my coach. So plays again home United. So fifty fifty with uh, Perez. That's where my 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 career gone. Mm, Perez yeah. ended your career yeah. then. <laughs> you know, was it hard for you to cope with life after football? Well, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. So I got to find a job. So I work, I work in Raffles Hotel by then. So from there, then I start to think, uh, should I do coaching or should I do something else? So I'm thinking, maybe I just give a try in coaching. And during that period, what did you miss most about football? During that period, what? I mean, from after after you retired and you know before coaching, what was the most you really missed about football? I miss miss all the the training, miss all the the players, miss the fun and the laughter. You know, like the best part is after training, everybody we eat together, so we have a, a strong bonding. So that's what I miss. Let's talk about your coaching experience then because you went to Hauga United and you were assistant to the late Amin Nasseh. How did that opportunity come about? Oh, uh, one day, uh, first thankful to the late Amin uh, because uh, one day he rang me up and said, Yura, can, can you be my assistant? I said, obviously I said yes because, mm. uh, because I want to learn. Uh, I was a I was a prime league coach by then, so prime league coach and I assist uh, I assist him. Mm. So after after you know we uh, found out that he had a cancer, so uh, he's been you know in and out of treatment. So he asked me, "Yura, can you cover me for the the team?" So I said, "Okay, I try my best." Uh. So that was like I think the last. The last six game, I think. How was it like to be the head coach? Now the responsibility is on you. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's good because you know what? Because you can plan your session. That means you know everybody is there. The numbers is there. Uh, players injured, players uh, on cards, and you know, and you can plan your session. Uh, if you like, like, like for for me be it the prime league coach or be it the youth coach, sometimes if you plan, players never turn up. So it's very difficult. So mm. first team is the best because you can do, you know. Okay, today I want to do defending. Okay, I know defender is there. What did what did you learn most about being a head coach? What was the one lesson you took away in that six games you covered for Amin Nasir? Very simple because last six games, because sometimes players, you know, they they give everything sometimes players they don't give 100% in in the match mm. so i told i told them 
this is your chance. Six game, take it or leave it. So you got to do your best. If you got a contract next year, congratulations. So if you don't get, then because as a coach, obviously, you want to win. Because this is uh, uh, a, a professional team. It's all about performance. You know, let's talk about 2019. You were part of the squad that, uh, or you were the head coach that guided the Tanjung Paga women's team to the title of the Women's Challenge Cup. That must have been very special for you as well. Nothing special, as I say. Only, only normal training. Only. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, uh, I started first year with the the women, uh, and 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 obviously they don't know my style of uh, coaching. What was it different to coach? Of course, uh, youth, uh, senior men, and women's team. Is it is there a difference? What well, uh, difficult, difficult, very difficult, because mm. women's, uh, you know, they are women's always sensitive, no? Mm. Uh, so like I said, is is like you are playing kite. Uh, not uh, you are playing kite. Uh, give and take, you know. <laughs> mm. Is is the is the same, but I I told them, I told them very simple. I'm like I'm like uh, Gulam, the reporter. If you play well, <laughs> I praise you. If you don't play, you get it from me. Uh, it's the same. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Gulam is, he used to be a, a very tough reporter who reported on uh, football back in the days. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a fair point, Vira. But looking back as a coach, it's always good to add titles to your career, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. So, mm. so first year with with them, they were shocked because I'm like. So fierce, I said, yeah, this is my style. So if you can cope with my style, then you'll be in my team. Uh, so so along the way, second year, they, they still stick to me. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. So third year, fourth year, that fourth year is the best year for me because I have, I have my, my senior from first year and I have the junior coming up. So it's a blend. So fourth year is my best year because I won double and it's a it's a very tough tough uh, journey yeah mm. very tough journey so so I told them we go hard every game by game so we end up winning the the cup and the league. You also coach young kids from the Active SG Academy. You know you coach my sons too. Do you enjoy working with the young kids? Yeah, yeah, I love, I love, I love, I love. I love to coach young because I love I love to teach them every details uh, mm. because because football you need as a player you need you need all these details you need to know all the details how to control the ball how to pass the ball which part of the the foot which part of the ball so everything they must know I mean I mean to be honest uh, what I I mean I'm I'm still I'm a coach but I'm still learning but you know to see some coaches they coach just for the sake of coaching, which is not right, which is not good. Eh? Do, you, do you think then, especially coaching the younger kids, right, the coach needs to have some sort of knowledge about football, must have actually played football? Uh, by right, of course, eh? by right. If it by left, then you have, you have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Vira, I want to I wanna talk about uh, the future, right? What intentions do you have in coaching when it when it comes to getting back into coaching? Because now you said you are you know repairing your your body with your knee. Eventually, you get back into coaching, and and where do you see yourself in the future, especially when it comes to coaching? Until today, I still love to coach uh, the youth because a lot of coaching to be done. 
at the moment. Eh. But mm. if I have the opportunity to coach the first team, why not? Do you have ambition to be a SPL coach someday? Maybe, maybe, mm. maybe not. Uh, it depends on uh, whether I like you or not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vera, just before I let you go, one final question for you. How would you like Singapore football fans to remember you by? As a person. As a person, as a footballer, what what you want football fans to remember you by? Uh, this is a tough one. All my guests have a problem with this, but wow. I would really like to hear from you. As a player or as a coach or as what? Whatever. I mean, as a player, maybe maybe as a player, as a coach, all around, all around. How would you like people to summarize you? I think... You think I'm a fun and loving person? That's a that's a good way to put it. I can definitely uh, <laughs> vouch for that. <laughs> You're definitely a lot of fun to be around with. Tell you what, Vera, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show and share your experience with uh, all our listeners. I wish you the very best and uh, a speedy recovery as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sasi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. That's the final whistle here on Sports Talk Sunday. Thank you for tuning in this weekend. Stay connected with me on social media at BladerGod on both Instagram and Twitter, where I share my thoughts on sports and life in general. Till next weekend, this is R. Sasikuma signing off for CNA 938.